what we're going to do just now is we're, we're going to have a, a little talk and chat about a film called Absurd, mm. directed by a man called Joe D'Amato, yes. Italian director. And when he directed this, he was uh, used one of his uh, nom de plumes, uh, nom de plumes, uh, sort of like. Yeah, because there was a case um, of. The, yeah. the, there was like a, a weird production to it because he had already made Anthropophagus the Beast, which is already, already on the video nasties. Yep. And when he approached George Eastman, because George Eastman played the lead in Anthropophagus the Beast and also wrote it. So he approached George Eastman and said, I want to make a direct sequel to Anthropophagus the Beast. Now, George Eastman, he was not happy about this. He was like, I'm okay with doing a sequel, but can we make it a spiritual sequel, not a direct sequel? And Joe D'Amato, he was just like... <laughs> because Anthropophagus, the beast, was such a classic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Joe D'Amato, uh, if I'm saying that correctly... Um, he it's easier than said, Anthropophagus, the beast, I can tell you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, he basically said to George Eastman, like, look, if you don't want to do a direct sequel, then I'll get someone else to write it and you just star in it. And he was okay with that until he got someone else to write a treatment. Joe D'Amato uh, gave George Eastman the, the treatment. George Eastman looked at it and went, this is shit. So he just completely rewrote it. And yeah. Joe D'Amato wasn't happy about that. So he made George Eastman rewrite the rewrite until it became a spiritual sequel called Absurd. Yeah, which was released as Anthropophagus. You see it. Uh, Anthropophagus. Anthropophagus too, in, yes. in a lot of territories. It was also mm. Zombie 6, I believe. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I saw somewhere that its title, an alternate title, was Zombie 6, and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was new to me, and I just found out this week, because we were talking yeah. last week about all the different sequels to Zombie Flesh Eaters and, and Dawn of the Dead, which were not sequels. Uh, yeah. It turns out this was also in some territories. It was put out maybe even the same territories put out just as if it was a new movie because they would do that they would just slap a new name on it and people would think it's a new movie and turns yeah. out it wasn't yeah it's absurd <laughs> okay this this is actually one of the proper uh video nasties that was um yes. prosecuted yeah it was on the dpp 39 list yeah and seized one of the ones that was seized yeah uh you can now buy it legally totally uncut with certificate 18 in the uk so there you go Joe D'Amato uh, mm -hmm. was a director who pretty much worked in every genre that was going, much like Lucio Fulci that we talked about last week. Every yes. genre that was going, uh, whichever yeah. was making money at the time, uh, he was making movies about it. Mm -hmm. uh, anything from, he made a lot of like softcore and kind of hardcore sex movies at the time. Mm -hmm. In the 70s, he pretty much created the, the black Emmanuel genre with the actress yeah. Laura Gemser. And uh, the kind of like the the exploitation, sort of like sex exploitation meets horror. He was like right at the forefront of that. He also made ripoffs of movies like Nine and a Half Weeks, and and this I believe is his best movie when it comes to the the crazy killer genre type movie. I'd second that motion completely. It's definitely a lot more coherent, a lot more. It's more well put together. It's it's still very low-fi, very low budget, but it's it's just so well done in comparison to everything that came before that he did. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> sounds like he had a good old time. He did. 
He did indeed. Seemingly has won the the one thing that he did that annoyed people on set because he was seem, seemingly quite quite a nice guy to get on with and go on with mm. about everybody, but he did fall asleep a lot. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, he, he used to fall asleep on set a lot, <laughs> so they'd find him sleeping on the floor or something like that. <laughs> now, as I get on about an age, I'm beginning. I can, I can, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I think you know, if I was a hard working director, like. Uh, Turning yeah. out all these movies, I'd be wanting to be nap every now and then as well. Yeah. So if whenever things to, got quiet. If I had to sit down and make Anthropophagus the Beast 3, I would be sleeping a lot more too. I, uh, we'll talk about Anthropophagus in a few months' time because that's one of our yeah. uh, video nasties as well to talk about. Yeah. But I thought starting yeah. with Absurd is good because you can actually find Absurd quite easily if anybody wants to follow mm. us uh, in this journey and actually watch any of these movies. Um, we're going with ones you can actually find and watch for the, the first movies we're talking about. We're, we're talking about Giorgio Amato. I suppose uh, his, if, if he's like the Sergio Leone of low-budget trash, uh, his uh, Clint Eastwood is uh, George Eastman. Mm. Uh, because mm. they've at least they've made at least two movies together, so that's enough for me. Uh, <laughs> who who's like I always always think I always talk about him as if he's he's an American. He wasn't an American though. He was he was Italian. So yes. George George Eastman wasn't his name. Uh, no. So he was. Uh, I've got his name here. He was Luigi Montefiore. Right. Mm. I'm just going with that. That's the pronunciation <laughs> I'm going with. And he he was in like uh, Django ripoffs. He was he was a villain in lots of spaghetti westerns, and he was. Um, pretty much like a very busy workman-like writer and actor oh, yeah. uh, in the Italian exploitation movies for the 70s and 80s. Yeah, he was pretty much never without work. He was a worker and he worked fucking hard. He did. <laughs> I believe he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a reference that nobody out with the UK is going to get. He, like you see, he wrote this. And he stars in it, <laughs> and okay, let, let's talk about the movie. When did you first see it? Then I first saw it about oh, about ten years ago, because I spent like a lot of my teenage years, uh, like going into the twenties, like trying to hunt down the video nasties. Because in the early days, before the internet, or just as the internet was born, you you still couldn't get them that easily. You had to find uh, bootleggers. Who were happy to do vhs to vhs copy and then soon that became vhs to dvd copy and then as the internet came about i started doing like uh, movie collection videos on youtube and people knew that i was collecting video nasty so every now and then someone would message me and go go to this website because you can watch this video nasty or go to this one because you can watch this video nasty if you don't have it and it was through one of those websites that i first saw absurd and it was it was one of it was it wasn't on the highest of my priority list of like, I must see this one kind of thing. I could have quite easily left it till last, but it was one of the first ones that someone linked me to and the link worked. So I sat down, watched it, not really knowing what I was getting into. And I just had a fun time of it. And then a little later after that, I did find a bootlegger who had it on DVD at a convention that I appeared at. So I was like, here's your five bucks. Thank you very much. Mm. Cool. I, again, with me, it was before it was banned. It was from the the book that the they had at the video rental store that I, that I went to, the, and you would nice. bunk off school, or uh, you would you would get it, uh, yeah. and it would be like uh, your late night viewing would be whichever horror movie you managed to <laughs> to get. Um, and 
I, I didn't know it was a Joe D'Amato movie. I didn't know anything about Joe D'Amato because mm. it wasn't his name. It was whatever kind of like uh, yeah. a, um, name he was using when he was directing it to make it sound as if it wasn't an Italian movie because it's set in America, yeah. but it's so obviously not made in America. <laughs> it's filmed in Italy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's, there's, there's no, they were nowhere near America when they made this movie. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I saw it then. And until recently, I hadn't seen it since then. So I'd forgotten yeah. so much of this movie. And I watched Same. it and I thought, how could I possibly have forgotten some of the crazy stuff I'm looking at on this on this <laughs> screen? But the, the thing about it was I'd forgotten so much of this movie. Yes, same here. But it has got things in it that you remember. And you remember these things. And, and I thought to myself, this is where I saw that. The deaths, yes. uh, the, the the scenes where people are getting killed specifically in this movie kind of like resonate with something in the back of my yeah. brain. It says, yeah, you do remember this. You just didn't remember it was in this movie. Because there right. are... A number of set pieces in this which are gloriously over the top <laughs> as far as gore cinema is concerned i don't know why they're not talked about more because they are they are fantastic and well put together yeah um, i i mean re-watching it like even just like a couple of hours before this stream i was like well i better re-watch it it's been a few weeks since i last re-watched <laughs> it and i I forgot most of the movie, but then there would be like these little builds up to certain like gore scenes. That I was like, Oh my God, this is coming, isn't it? And then sure enough, it would happen. The main one being, uh, when, uh, the, George Eastman gets the nanny and sticks her head in the oven. That was something yeah. that I completely <laughs> forgot existed. But the moment the build up towards that started, I yeah. was like, Oh my God, I remember it clear as fucking day. <laughs> that's how uh, I, I was watching it. And, and, and as I'm watching, I'm going, oh, that's that film I remember watching where it sticks the woman's head in an oven. <laughs> yeah. right? What I didn't remember was was how long that scene is because it's intercut yes. with a lassie that's got, um, she's strapped to a bed and she's trying to undo the straps so that she can escape. Right, yeah. We're not even going to go into the plot because the plot is, I don't even know what the plot is and I've, I've watched it recently. <laughs> uh, but it keeps cutting between them. And the, the thing about it is, he takes forever to to try and kill her in this in this oven, uh, but the makeup is really good. Uh, the makeup yeah. effects uh, for her face are really good. Uh, spoiler: He doesn't actually manage to kill her by putting her no. head in the oven. You know, uh, it's, it's 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 death by scissors after that, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. it is indeed. Uh, because you know, slasher. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's nineteen eighty. Death by scissors. <laughs> 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 Pretty much, <laughs> guess my five. Pretty much. <laughs> Thank you, Peter Newton. Thanks for that, Pete. Uh, yeah, Peter Newton. That's the name he used. Uh, he was directing some of his horror movies. My favourite scene uh, in the movie, as far as uh, the gore and the horror, was well, two. Uh, but one that I like the most is is the scene where he kills the nurse at the beginning. Now, yes. We have to kind of set the scene. This guy's been chased at the beginning by some random bloke and a priest. Or has he just been, he's just been chased by a priest at the beginning, isn't he? At the beginning, it's just a priest. Yeah. But and he's then, been chased by uh, a priest. Then and the and they're intercutting it with somebody using a, a compass on a bit of paper. Right? Yeah. There's a reason why they're doing that, because it comes, the compass comes back towards the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, this, this, some of this movie is genius. Uh, so he's getting chased by a priest. And, and then he ends up going into this house, uh, uh, knocks a wee boy, opens and lets him in, and he's managed to impale himself on a fence and his yeah. guts fall out, his intestines fall out. Yeah. So the, the doctors try to put him back together in the hospital and, and they somehow managed to do it. Uh, but it turns out that he is some 
killing zombie-like person. He's yeah. not some normal guy who's been, you know, yeah. running around. So that's all you really he, need to know. He, he can heal himself. Pretty yeah. much any part of his body apart from the brain, he can heal himself. But each time he does heal himself, and like it happens very rapidly, very quickly, it makes him that little bit more insane. Yeah. Which is quite hard to actually grasp because he's insane <laughs> from the very first moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a case of a gradual insanity. This guy is like just he's, he's a homicidal maniac. Yeah. Because the first thing he does when he wakes up after coming back, you know, being. Yep. Is to kill somebody with a drill, uh, and I see them talking about. It's assuming he kills a nurse with a drill, and he puts it through her temple, and you get a close up of what's obviously a prosthetic, but it's a really, it's a really good prosthetic, and it's very close up, and they've managed to get the skin tone sorted just perfectly with the actress. Mm. So uh, when you actually the drills just go in, you kind of go, that's that's impressive, and the editing is really good between the actress and the prosthetic, and they have it coming out the other end and everything. Uh, it's a very impressive gore scene for such a low-budget movie for 1980. Oh, yes, uh, and it sets the tone for the, the scenes that come afterwards because the the there's, they are essentially just long scenes of people being mutilated, <laughs> yes. but they they are all extended well beyond the point where they should go, and that's what makes the film a little bit funny to watch as well. Oh yes, so that you you there's that kind of like I'm enjoying this. I shouldn't be enjoying this, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is funny. Uh, so so yeah. So if you like watching people getting drills put through their head, um, if you if you like watching bald men get a saw, what well, those not a circular saw. It's one of these long saws like that's coming saw. down, like a buzz saw. Get his head pushed through a buzz saw. Uh, that's a bit more fake, but it's still it's impressive. It's impressive to watch, uh, and people just randomly get axes put in their head, stuff like that. This yep. is a movie for you. One fun for all the family, I believe it said on the actual video cover. You watch it now, and you think, okay, I can see why this was probably seized. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, absolutely, because because the violence in it is incredibly extreme and incredibly kind of stretched out. Looked yeah. at today, it's nothing. Oh, absolutely! Uh, but back yeah. at back then in 1981, it was it was quite horrific compared to like a lot of the other commercial mainstream stuff that was out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was surprised. Actually, it's a good looking movie as well. If you get a good print of it, it's a mm. very good looking movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's also got a, a strange comedy Irish drunk that appears <laughs> randomly in a couple of scenes. I'm not quite sure why. Never quite. That used to be in a trope, uh, like with some of yeah. these movies. Though there would just be the random drunk that would turn yeah. up and laugh at people and be like, "You're gonna die," and then you'd never see them again. Yeah, I think there might be like a red heron of some kind because in a, a, a yeah. giallo you'd be trying to work out you were the killer, but in this movie you don't try to work it in because you give up after 10, 15 minutes. Even try it, it, it does it doesn't even make sense. You just go with it. Yeah. A lot of these video nasties are boring, and then something will happen and it can appear to your interest. This film is boring in bits, but every 10 minutes, something just bonkers happens and, it's, and that's yeah. what's enjoyable about the movie. Um, not not by any stretch of the imagination, a great movie. But No, you, I mean, like, if you're someone who likes to have, like, a bad movie night with friends and you just like to stick on a bad movie that you can laugh at, there's plenty to laugh at in this movie, especially at the opening scene where you've got George Eastman running through the woods and he's actually running and the priest that's chasing him is kind of like having a little jog. 
you know, he's not really putting any effort into it. And every now and then he kind of stops, looks around and then carries on jogging. And it's like, what are you doing? Why is yeah. this man running so frantically away from you? Who's hardly moving anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an odd one. It's an, it's, it's an odd one, but it's enjoyable. The the DVD Blu-ray that you get in the UK was uh, originally, I think the, the, Eighty-eight films crowdfunded that I think didn't they? Was that the yes. one they crowdfunded? So, so essentially, yeah. fans crowdfunded the actual master that was used to to kind of yeah. like put that out as, as a two K master. Um, yeah. So, so there is a kind of fervent uh, fan base out there for the for the movie. I think it's definitely going to kind of like uh, raise its profile a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I because I I can't see before the Blu-ray came out. I think it was only pretty much like people like yourself and myself and people like uh, Pete Bakewell who were really into that. Okay. We, the weirder, the better, the more underground, the better, the more like closer to the video nasties list, the better. But most people out there nowadays, they really don't give a shit about those movies. Not yep. unless someone else brings it to their attention and says, check this out. This is fucking cool. And yep. hopefully the 88 films release has done that for at least one person out there. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd hope so. Another thing that this film does really well is it is it really fucks with a child's innocence because there is mm. one character who's kind of you know just just a side ancillary character, this very young boy, and he's the one who opens the door to George Eastman, who's got his intestines and stuff spilling out. Like almost every scene he's in. They do something that goes, you know what? A child should never have to go through this, but we're going to make yeah. this kid go through it. This kid go through it. <laughs> yeah. You kind of don't, you don't mind though with the kids. I, I, they could put them through hell. I wouldn't really mind. Uh, <laughs> there's a very heavy influence of Halloween on this. Oh, well. big time. Right. Big time. So know that going in. There's a very heavy influence of Halloween. Spoilers. The, the compass at the start of the movie that was intercut is used mm. at the end to blind them. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you're like, so that's why that was there at the start. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up with this blind maniac uh, at the end this of the movie. This movie does a, does a great job of setting stuff up really early in yeah. Act 1, but a lot of it you're like, why is this there? Like, it doesn't make sense to the it, initial no, it story. Yeah. It's, it's not like the character that's using it is a graphic artist of any sort. It's just someone yeah. who's who's got a spinal injury, who's, stra who's strapped to a bed, they're in traction. And like you don't even get any reason for like why that is. Yeah. It's, and and the spider injury doesn't seem that bad by the end of the movie. No, it doesn't. And that's <laughs> the thing. You can tell that the only reason that character was in traction was so they could say, "Oh man, later on when we've got fucking George Eastman doing his thing, this is going to make it more intense." And it's like if you give us reason for it, then yeah, it will. But because you didn't, you're just kind of like. Well, yep. we know that's gonna happen, it, and we it, know it, that we're gonna get out of it. It also has this is this is something for uh, fans of obscure facts. Uh, Michael Suave is in the movie. Yes, he plays one of the bikers. Very small. You can yeah. spot there's a there's a biker gang in the movie. Not mm -hmm. really a biker gang, but <laughs> kind of Italian version of a biker gang in the movie. <laughs> they don't get in to do, and that kind of disappointed me. They don't really get in to do in the movie. They could really have made something of the biker gang. Uh, but one of them is, is Michael Suave, who made the movie Stage Fright. Did he direct Church, the Church as well? Didn't the he? Church, the sect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a, he's a better director than Joe D'Amato. Uh, <laughs> yes. And 
we'll be talking about him at some some point in an episode later on. But yeah, that's just a wee fact that he's there. Yeah, so there's, there's you'll find that in a lot of these movies is people that there's a connection between all the people who are working in the Italian cinema at the time because uh, yeah. they were just churning out so many movies and you'll see them as yeah. actors and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, they took exploitation cinema to a whole new level. People thought like the Americans were churning them out quick and and doing like small budget ripoffs of stuff. They had nothing on the Italians. One director in Italy was almost like a studio in, in America. Yeah. So, yeah, so that that's absurd. Uh, it is absurd. It's perfectly named. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's the pinnacle of, of Joe D'Amato's directing career, uh, the sleepy director. That is uh, the amazing video nasty that was, and it's a proper video nasty, oh, uh, yes. seized by the police. Uh, so if you do watch this, be careful because it could turn you into a psychotic killing machine. Especially um, if your dogs watch it as well. Exactly. 